Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to episode number 56 from Delving into Islam podcast. This is your host, Wa'il, and it is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a privilege that I'm able to talk to you about the religion of Islam and that we're able to explore it together and that I'm able to take in all your questions and suggestions. And speaking of which, if you have any questions or suggestions, please email me at delvingintoislam at gmail.com. Again, delvingintoislam at gmail.com. And I promise I will get back to you as soon as possible Inshallah This podcast is for anyone who is interested in Islam So uh, if you are uh, 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 you know, uh, remotely curious about Islam Or you're doing your own Islamic studies Or you're thinking about becoming a Muslim or uh, uh, you just became a Muslim, or, or if, if you even already you, you're already a Muslim who just wants to learn more about Islam, inshallah, this is the podcast for you. Uh, uh, and uh, again, all the information I share with you comes from alhamdulillah verified and authentic sources such as the Quran and the Sunnah. And again, this the, thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for your participation. And with that being said. Let's get right into today's topic And today's topic We will continue uh, talking about the miracle of the Isra and the Mi'raj Or the miracle of the night journey and the ascension to the heavens uh, In the previous episode we talked about the, the We said that the, it's a one big miracle This is a one miracle that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given the Prophet sallallahu And it's divided into two parts So it's a two part miracle uh, the first part is the night journey, uh, where uh, the Prophet ﷺ, Angel Jibreel came and took the Prophet ﷺ from Mecca to Jerusalem. That was the first part of that miracle. The second part is the ascension to the heavens. So after the Prophet ﷺ finished what he had to do or what he had to witness in Jerusalem, uh, Jibreel took him up to the seventh heaven. Now, I promise you, you need to buckle up because this is a very rich Episode today's topic is incredibly rich because so many things happened to the Prophet ﷺ during the ascension. So many things we can, you know, talk about after the Prophet ﷺ ended what he had to do in in you know Masjid al-Aqsa in Jerusalem. Uh, Gabriel took him to start the journey up to ascend to the heavens. Hence the name the Ma'raj. Ma'raj means going up. Now. Before the, the angel Jibreel takes him on fly, basically, because he's an angel, right? Look at this. Very interesting. Jibreel asked permission to enter the first heaven. So he asked a permission. There, there, there was a gatekeeper, another angel, who basically is there. So basically, there's a gate between each heaven and the other one, on the next one. So between us and the first heaven, there is a gate, right? There is a gate. And this gate has a gatekeeper, another angel, right? And Jibril, in order for Jibril to go up to cross the first heaven, he has to ask permission to pass. Now, this is interesting. This is very, very fascinating. And I'll tell you why. Because you would think in this world, or in that world, right? The world of the unseen, the world of the angels, there are no such rules and boundaries. We know that G Gabriel, or Jibreel, is the king of the angels. He's the leader of all the angels. Allah mentioned many times, you know, that Jibreel leads the angels in every, you know, in, in, in many incidents. He is the leader. 
And you would think, oh, there are all angels, so he could fly whenever you know he wants. I mean, it's not like he's gonna you know breach any security. Allah knows everything; he controls everything. Isn't that right? You know, it, it makes you wonder why all this protocol, why all this uh, 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 routine of you know, asking to pass. I mentioned this before, and I'm going to mention it again now. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has rules on every dimension or every level. You know, in every single world, world he created, there are rules that the creation must abide by. You know? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we mentioned this before, when the angels uh, uh, see what we do, they write our deeds, whether they're good or bad, they go back to Allah and do you think Allah needs angels to write our deeds? Allah sees everything we do and Allah could keep memory of everything. Allah is, there are no, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is capable of everything or anything possible or not possible to us. Allah is capable of, of anything, period. So why does he need angels to write down our deeds? Why does he need angels to do this for us? Why does he, you know, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates a world. He creates, you know, rules. He creates protocols for everything. And all of his creation must abide by those rules. Allah does not abide by these rules, by any rules. Allah created his own rules that he would abide by. He actually mentioned this. For example, Allah does not commit injustice. And he said, Ya ibadi, inni ala nafsi. I do not. I forbade injustice upon myself. Allah made certain things. Ya ibadi, inna rahmati ghadabi. My mercy always overcomes my anger. This is rules that Allah created for himself. Nobody creates rules for Allah. Do you understand? Allah is Allah. He is the ultimate God. Now, Allah creates rules for everything. That makes sense. Now, so Jibreel is about to enter the first heaven. So he asks, hey, uh, 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 can you please open the gates of the heaven or the sky? You know, that's what I mean now by the, by the heaven. You guys should know it by now. So the gatekeeper, which is another angel, says out loud, the Prophet is witnessing all this. That's why he, well, he told us, right? Do you have anyone with you? Again, Allah could have informed all the angels that the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ is going up, right? Again, Allah is making our Prophet ﷺ witness the protocols of the heavens, of the world of the unseen. Allah is making our Prophet ﷺ witness those, these rules of the world of the unseen. So Jibreel responds, yes, I have Muhammad with me. Look at this. The gatekeeper asks, this authentic hadith, this happened. The Prophet ﷺ tells us this in an authentic hadith. Then the gatekeeper, the angel says, has he been sent for? Look at this. It shows you. Getting to the, to the seventh heaven or to the heavens in general is not something easy. It's not a walk in the park. No matter who you are, you have to follow the rules. So the gatekeeper asks, has he been sent for? So Jibreel responds, yes. Then the, gate, uh, the, the gates open. And then Jibreel goes to the first heaven with Prophet Muhammad Wasallam. Now, let me tell you something very interesting here. Some might say, really? So all it took the Jibreel for him to say, yes. Oh, I have Muhammad. Yes, he's been sent for. And that was the verification. That's basically, you know, the access card that he had. Here's the thing. You have to understand. Angels do not lie. <laughs> Allah created the angels 
remember, incapable of lying, incapable of disobeying him. So when an angel says, yes, I have so with me, that's it. That's his access card. You know, that's his verification right there. He does not need to, pro to, to provide any proof because angels, unlike humans and jinn, are incapable of lying. It's not in their DNA, whether lying or disobeying Allah or do anything bad. Anything that's bad or sinful, they do not do. They are incapable of doing it. You have to understand this, right? Now, uh, like we said, the skies or the heavens, right, are physical places. These are not clouds. These are not, you know, these are physical places with lands and everything, right? So they pass, there's a gate, opens, they go to the first heaven, right, the first sky, right? Now, it shows that, number one, there are worlds beyond our understanding. There are worlds beyond our understanding. Like everything, let me explain to you this. Everything around us, all the galaxies that have been discovered, the galaxies that are trying to discover, all the stars, the sun, the planets, all of this is in the first heaven. All of these things are in the perimeter of the first heaven. No human, no creature, nothing can get to the second heaven except for the angels, of course, because, you know, they do stuff for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They come down to our world and they go back. But that's about it. You know? And by the way, just for you, for those of you who do not know, paradise, paradise is located only in the seventh heaven. In the seventh sky. You know, paradise is located in the seventh heaven only. Now, our Prophet ﷺ, he goes through with, with Jibreel, right, in the first heaven. And then he sees a giant man. There's this like giant human being standing there by the gate. Like once they passed the gate, he was standing right there. So angel Jibreel says to our Prophet ﷺ, this is your father, Adam. Say salam to him. You know, he's your father and the father of all mankind. So our Prophet ﷺ greets Adam by saying salam. So Adam responds, look at this. Welcome my righteous son and righteous prophet. Ahlan bil ibn al-Salih wa nabiyu salih in Arabic. So the Prophet ﷺ meets Adam and, you know, again, he's... Prophet Muhammad is his son, like all of us, right? We're all the children of Adam. Then after this very brief encounter, Jibreel asks for permission from the gatekeeper of the second heaven now. Then the same conversation takes place. The gatekeeper asks Jibreel, is someone with you? Has he been sent for, you know? Our Prophet in the seven in the second heaven, in the second sky, he meets two prophets. He meets Yahya or Yahya and Jesus Christ. By the way, Yahya, Jesus Christ and Yahya are cousins. Right? Jesus Christ and Yahya are cousins. Uh, um, and then the same thing happens. He says, say, say talam to them. Again, we know that Jesus Christ met the Prophet, you know, in the night of Isra. He's not dead. Do not forget. Adam, he was dead. That was the spirit of Adam in the heavens. In the heavens, in the sky. Right? In the first sky. Uh, uh, Yahya or Yahya, also it's a spirit. 
Jesus Christ is not a spirit. You have to understand. This is very clear. He is flesh and blood. He is a human being who did not die yet. You know? He's not getting old. Allah, of course, is capable of anything. He's just there waiting for the second coming that we will, inshallah, talk about in detail uh, in the near future. Now, he talks to them. He says, salam to them. They say, oh, salam, oh, brother. Now, instead of the son, you know, oh, righteous brother, you know, oh, righteous prophet. And then he moves on to the third heaven. Same thing happens. Jibreel asks, can you please open the gates? Who is with you? Was he sent for? Again, like I said, this conversation happens at every uh, uh, at every gate of you know the the seven gates. Our Prophet meets Prophet Joseph or Yusuf in the third heaven. Again, he passes he he passes the gate of the third heaven and he sees Prophet Yusuf. And this is when he quoted the hadith: Yusuf has half of beauty. Allah, when he gave beauty to Mankind, he gave Yusuf or Joseph half of that beauty. Means that he's extremely handsome. You know, that was when the hadith, uh, when the Prophet mentioned that hadith, when he was describing meeting Prophet Joseph on the third heaven. Same thing goes to, they go to the fourth heaven and they find Prophet Idris, peace be upon him. Prophet Idris, he's the one who, uh, 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 you know, came before Prophet Noah. He's the one that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala taught writing. Now, on the fifth heaven, our Prophet ﷺ meets Prophet Harun, the brother of Prophet Moses. You guys have to know, Prophet Moses had a brother called Harun. So the Prophet ﷺ meets Harun on the fifth heaven. He meets Prophet Harun on the fifth uh, fifth heaven, and the same interaction takes place. Salam brother, salam brother, and then Jibreel asks for permission to go to the sixth heaven. Now, in the sixth heaven, the Prophet meets Moses himself, Prophet Musa. He meets Moses and he describes him as tall, muscular, dark brown, meaning almost you know black color, dark dark brown. Uh, and right when the Prophet was about to go to the seventh heaven now, the next heaven. He hears Moses crying. He hears Moses crying. So the Prophet is about to leave. He said, Salam, brother. Moses says, Salam, brother, right? And then he's about to leave, you know, to do the, the, the same thing. And then he hears Moses crying. So an angel comes to Prophet Moses. Now, all the dwellers of, of the heavens are angels, right? You have to understand the skies is filled with angels only, and the spirits of humans, uh, of prophets, only prophets. And the actual body and soul of Jesus Christ, right? So an angel comes to Prophet Moses and he asks him, why are you crying? And then Prophet Moses points at Prophet Muhammad Wasallam and says, because this young man, our Prophet Wasallam, he means the Prophet Wasallam, who came after me shall have a larger number of people entering paradise. Look at this. Prophet Moses wished that his nation it's it's by the way jealousy in the religion is a good jealousy jealousy in the religion is a healthy jealousy when you don't when you when you feel like someone memorized more quran or no has more knowledge if if it makes you want to learn more this is a healthy jealousy and this should be our only jealousy you know so he's not jealous of the prophet for being the prophet he's jealous that the number of people 
the number of Muslims following the Prophet who are believers and righteous are way more than the number of Jewish who followed Prophet Moses uh, who also are righteous, right? So he's just crying that he really wished that he would have a bigger number of people. That was that was the reason. He was not jealous like in in a bad way from the Prophet No, 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 no. He was just jealousy in terms of like I needed. I wish I had more uh, uh, number of you know larger number of people following me, and it was very very healthy jealousy. And we are allowed to have such a jealousy when we see someone who's more righteous, you know, someone who is doing more things in the name of Islam, good stuff and and, and, and uh, righteous stuff. We are allowed to be jealous as long as this jealousy is very healthy and it makes us be better person, be, be better people ourselves. You have to understand that, right? Now, and this, uh, 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 like the, the, what the Prophet Moses was saying, is, it's not like, why did he get this? You have to understand. He didn't say, why did this young man get this? No, no, no. He was more like, I wish I got this as well. That that was basically what the Prophet Moses meant by saying that. Now, moving on, the Prophet Muhammad goes to the seventh heaven. He goes to, the this is the final heaven now, the final sky. And he sees Prophet Abraham, Ibrahim, sitting and his back was leaning towards, uh, uh, leaning on, the Baytul Ma'mur. We mentioned the Baytul Ma'mur before when we talked about the angels, but I will mention it again. Al Baytul Ma'mur is a house like the Kaaba. When you look at the Hajj or the pilgrimage and you see all the Muslims, you know, uh, walking around the Kaaba, the, 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 the black cube, the big, you know, black cube, we, we mentioned that right on top of it in the seventh heaven is a similar house, but of course it's totally different in terms of like um like a structure and in terms of like significance right and it's very majestic right but it's on the same exact spot like the verse actually mentions in a hadith if the bayt al-ma'mur falls straight it will fall on top of the kaaba here on earth in saudi arabia in mecca can you believe that so on top of it the, the, in the seventh heaven, in the same exact spot in the seventh heaven, there is also another Kaaba. It's called Al Bayt Al Ma'mur, and and this Bayt Al Ma'mur is significant because basically uh, it's also a house of worship like the Kaaba, and the, but this one is for the angels. So the angels every single day, seventy thousand angels do the worshiping in it, and they do the same thing that humans do, and they never come back. They do it once in a lifetime. Every single day, 70,000 angels perform hajj around the Bayt al-Ma'mur and they never come back. That begs the question, how many angels had Allah created? Can you imagine? When every day 70,000 never to come back. At least when you see a lot of people doing hajj, people come back, you know, come back. You know, you could do it once, twice, as much as you want. But in the angels, that's a one time. It's a one time thing. It shows you the, the insane amount of, uh, the, the, the insane number or, or the crazy number of angels that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had created. Um, so yeah, that's the Bayt al-Ma'mur. So a Prophet uh, saw Prophet Abraham just, you know, he was sitting and his back was leaning on that house, that, you know, that, that, that house of worship. And then Prophet Abraham uh, uh, again, uh, 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 Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says salam to him, sal salam, and then Prophet Abraham responded and said, "Welcome, my righteous son, and my right and the righteous prophet." 
Now, why did Prophet Abraham say righteous son? It was only Adam who said it, right? And everybody else said brother, because actually Prophet Abraham is the great-great-grandfather of Prophet Muhammad. He's the great-great-great-great-grandfather. He comes, Prophet Muhammad sallam, comes from Ishmael or Ismail, who is the son of, uh, of Prophet Abraham. And then he comes from all the descendants, you know, following down the line to the Prophet sallam. He is actually physically related to uh, Prophet Abraham. So that's why he called him, O righteous son. Now, also, during the ascension to the seventh heaven, he met Malik. The Prophet ﷺ met the gatekeeper of hellfire. Angel Malik. His name is Malik. M-A-L-I-K. Malik. And then Angel Malik greeted our Prophet ﷺ, but when he greeted him, he was not smiling. Which shows you that every angel who greeted our Prophet ﷺ, they were all smiling. Except for that one specific angel, Angel Malik. So, Prophet Muhammad ﷺ asked Jibreel, he said, why is he not smiling? You know, the Prophet ﷺ was, you know, wondering, he was curious, why is Malik not smiling? So, uh, Jibreel responded and said he never smiled since he saw hellfire. Or since he was assigned, because he was created to be the gatekeeper of hellfire. So he never smiled because of how terrifying hellfire is. Now, don't think that he's in agony or he's upset or sad. That's his job, remember? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates the angels for, to do certain, for certain purposes, to do certain tasks, you know. And there's nothing pleasant about hellfire, you know. There's nothing, because don't think, oh, like this is torture for Malik, or he shouldn't be. No, he's gladly doing his job. And actually, there's mentioning in the Quran that when, when the people of in Hellfire, who are being tortured in Hellfire, will call upon Malik. This I mentioned in the Quran, قَالُوا يَا مَالِكُ You know, لِيَقْضِ عَلَيْنَا رَبُّكُ Tell Allah, Malik, is on the Day of Judgment, when, when they go to Hellfire. Tell Allah to kill us. We can't live anymore. We don't want to live in Hellfire. Tell Allah to take our lives. We cannot bear the pain. And Malik will say, no death after today. So don't worry. Malik is not a miserable angel because, you know, uh, uh, for those of you who think, oh, is he really? Oh, poor guy. Is he miserable? No, he's not. You know, it just shows you. And this is for us, by the way, to understand. It shows you how terrifying, how far it is. Then our Prophet ﷺ also saw something called Sidratul Muntaha. And this is a big deal now. Sidratul Muntaha is basically the tree of life. So in the seventh heaven, the Prophet ﷺ also saw Sidratul Muntaha, the tree of life. Or, you know, people call it the tree at the edge of existence. Or the lot tree, right? So Sidratul Muntaha literally translates to the low tree or the tree at the edge of existence. And muntaha meaning the edge of existence, the end. Well, this is the end. The seventh heaven is the end. Uh, or uh, in, in certain cultures or certain beliefs, they call it the tree of life as well. Now, you have to understand. Let me, let, let's talk about the Sidra al-Muntaha, the Sidra. We'll call it the Sidra for, for those of you who will, you know, uh, have trouble pronouncing it or, or, you know, saying it. Let's call it the Sidra. S-I-D-R-A. Sidra, right? 
So the Sidra or that tree, right? The Sidra is the tree. So that tree, its roots are in the sixth heaven. And the rest of the tree extends up to the seventh heaven. You have to understand. So the roots are down in the sixth heaven. And the rest of the tree goes up to the seventh heaven. It's a giant tree with giant branches. It's a giant tree. It's extremely giant tree. Not, not worldly tree. It's not from this world. It, nothing like it in this world, right? And has in massive, the Prophet is describing, and he was allowed to describe that tree. And also, the fruits of the tree are in the size of large oil barrels. The fruits, whether it's dates or, you know, uh, again, the fruits are not from this world, but like, I'm just trying to make you imagine if, if you have like, a, if, if there's an apple tree or whatever, imagine that this apple is in the size of a large oil barrel. That's how the Prophet described them, you know. Also, the leaves of these of the of the tree are in the size of the ears of the elephants. Have you seen the elephants? How big their ears are? That's the size of the leaves of the tree. Huge. And it is surrounded, or you can say covered up with beautiful changing colors. Those colors do not exist in our world. Again, so the, the, the tree itself now as a whole is surrounded by beautiful colors that are not from this world, are not from our world. These colors we've never seen. You know, you know, all the colors you've seen, you know, green, blue, yellow, uh, whatever, you know, red, all these colors. No, there are, there's totally different types of colors that do not exist in our world yet. We did not see them yet. We won't see them in this world. Inshallah, if Allah allows us to go to paradise, to heaven, uh, to Jannah, we might see these colors or inshallah, we will see the, the, those colors. But for now, just you can't imagine these colors, right? Also, the colors, it's a dynamic color. It's like a dome of colors, right? That's surrounding the tree. But these colors are in, they're changing. They're uh, continuously changing. So it's like a dynamic change of color. It's not static. It's not a steady color. And that's it, right? And again, like I said, these colors are beyond the spectrum of our world. Also, it is surrounded by flying butterflies that are made out of gold. It, this is insane. But we're talking about a world that, you know, that's beyond our world. It's beyond this existence. So flying uh, around the tree uh, are butterflies that are made out of gold. The Prophet ﷺ saw them with his own eyes. Great. So that is the physical description of the tree. Now, here's the certain facts that the Prophet ﷺ was told about the tree. Number one, anything that arises from our world stops at the sidra, at the tree. Again, the sidra is the tree. And gets stored in it. Like, for example, what do you mean by anything that arises from our world? Like good deeds. When you make good deeds, they are lifted up. They go up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they stop at the sidra. They get stored. It's like a big giant database of good deeds. And it's stored under your name within that sidra. How does it work? We'll never know. We'll never know. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions it in the Quran. Our Prophet sallallahu mentioned it in authentic hadith. So we believe in it 100%. We just don't know how it works, right? Souls, when they go up after they leave our bodies, you know, they go to the Sidra. 
Du'as, when you make supplication to Allah, when you make, you know, when you ask Allah for something, du'a goes up, right? Du'a goes up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it stops at the Sidra and a lot of other things, right? Now, here's the interesting part. Also, anything that comes down to our world from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala emerges from that tree, from that Sidra, like destiny. Destiny. When Allah decrees something upon us, it comes down. The source of it is that tree. Allah commands the tree, the sidra, and it brings it down. Provision. Our wealth, our money, our careers, and all these things. Rain comes down from the sidra. The, the, the source of the rain, the origin, uh, uh, the, the original source of the, of the rain is Allah commands that tree. The mercy of Allah. When Allah brings down His mercy upon us, it comes from the tree. So as, as, as you guys can tell, two things come out of this tree, or two categories, you know, they emerge or they descend from that tree. Physical things and spiritual things as well. Mercy is a spiritual, it's not a physical thing. Destiny is not physical, but rain is physical. Also, uh, the tree as a whole, the Prophet ﷺ, when he described it, he said that it's not a static tree. It's not a steady tree. It's like moving. It keeps on moving. You know, it's very dynamic. So whatever is surrounding the, the tree is dynamic. The tree itself and its movement is dynamic. It's not a steady tree. Also, the Prophet ﷺ saw by the roots of the tree. Now, we're talking about the, 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 the sixth heaven. He saw four rivers. Two were hidden and two were visible. Two were covered up, basically. And two were explicit or visible. So he asked Jibreel about the rivers. He said, oh, what are those four rivers? So Jibreel says, this is an authentic hadith. He said that as for the two hidden rivers, these are the rivers in Jannah. You won't be able to see them in this world. And we actually know the names of these rivers because they are mentioned in the Quran. The first river is called Al-Kawthar. The second river is called Sal-Sabil. Again, these two rivers are rivers in Jannah, in paradise. We, we won't be able, the Prophet can't, be, can't see them in this world. That's why they were covered up from him. That's why they were hidden, right? But they will be seen in, on after, you know, people, inshallah, believers go into paradise. And the two rivers are Al-Kawthar. And there's actually a chapter called Al-Kawthar in the Quran. And Sal-Sabil is also mentioned in the, in the Quran. Aynan fiha Sal-Sabila. This is mentioned in the Quran. The two names of these two rivers in Jannah, in paradise. And then Jibreel continues, and as for the two visible rivers, they are the Nile and the Euphrates. The Nile and the Euphrates. Which means that they are blessed rivers uh, uh, that, you know, the, these are two blessed rivers. And there's an interesting fact that, uh, uh, um, subhanAllah, both rivers are considered to be the source of the creator of all civilizations. Look it up. Everything that associated with, you know, the creator of the civilizations, all this, all of our civil or our civilization as human, you know, as mankind, it, it came from these two rivers, the Nile and the Euphrates. For those of you who do not know, the Nile is in Africa, right? It, it, it actually starts from south, south of Rwanda and it ends in Sudan. Uh, so the, this is the African river, the Nile, 
This is the river, right? The Euphrates is in Asia. It starts from Turkey and it ends in Iraq or Iraq. Okay? So these are the two visible rivers that are blessed rivers. That's why the Prophet ﷺ saw, uh, saw them as well uh, uh, by the roots of the Sidra or the tree. Right? Uh, now, uh, uh, then after this, and after, you know, the Prophet ﷺ saw all these physical aspects of the tree and all these things, Angel Jibreel transformed into his angelic form for the second time. Guys, remember? The first time, Jibreel, when he showed up to the Prophet ﷺ in his true angelical form, what happened? He was sitting on his own throne, right? And he was he blocked the horizon, and the Prophet ﷺ was not a prophet yet, and he came to, to you know for this. That was the second meeting between him and Jibreel, right? And he basically was telling him that you are going to be a prophet. So that was the first time. The second time is is now here in this in this incident. Uh, and this is when the Prophet ﷺ said that he had six. He has six hundred wings. Again, he did not count the wings. You have to understand. I mentioned this before, but Allah Subhanahu wa Taala informed him that all this massive number of wings are basically six hundred wings, right? Allah Subhanahu wa Taala gave him that knowledge. Look at this, and from the feathers of his wings, the Prophet ﷺ is describing now. From the feathers of his is his wings, Angel Jibreel's wings, there were pearls. And majestic stones falling off. Again, these are not static creatures, my dear brothers and sisters. These are creatures beyond our understanding. He's dynamic. Things keep on falling from him. Like he has pearls and majestic stones falling off his feathers. And yes, he does have feathers. Obviously, from that text, we confirm that he has feathers, right? 600 wings. Massive to block the horizon from his feathers, pearls and majestic stones were falling off. Again, this is something beyond our understanding, and this is Angel Gabriel for you guys. Now, by the Sidra, by that tree, our Prophet was giving three major things as a blessing for him, as blessings for him. The first thing he was given the five daily prayers. We'll talk about that in full detail in in a second. The five daily prayers, and it is a blessing from Allah, and I'll tell you how it's a blessing. Because some people unfortunately think, "Oh, how is that a blessing? This is a lot of work for us." The five daily prayers are a blessing from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and we'll I'll tell you why and how. But this is the first thing. The second thing is the last two verses from the chapter of the Baqarah. We're given direct. The Prophet went up in the seventh heaven to take these two verses. The chapter of Baqarah, the second chapter, for those of you who do not know, the chapter of the Baqarah is the cha- second chapter in the Quran. The last two verses were given to the Prophet وسلم, on that in that location on that night. Right? And by the way, if you recite these two verses every night, the Prophet وسلم mentions that they will protect you from. The devil from the shaitan and the whisperings of the shaitan, and you will be greatly rewarded if you can recite the. It's two verses. It's not two chapters. It's literally two verses. It takes two minutes to recite them. You know, if you recite them every night, you will be greatly rewarded and protected from shaitan or the devil. Right, 
And the verses go Amana Rasulu Bima Unzila Ilehim Rabbihi Wal Mu'minun Kulun Amana Bilehi Malay Katihi Wa Kutubihi Wa Rusulihi Lanu Farraku Bana Ahdam Rasul to the end of to the end of of the chapter basically the last two verses you have to guys memorize this if you can just play it if you don't know how to recite it just you know play it and try to understand the meanings of it and I'll actually you know what I'll explain the meanings uh, since we're here now so you guys know uh, when you try to recite it or when you listen to it what does it say so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the in this in, the, in these two verses that amana rasulu bima unzila the Prophet ﷺ and the believers have believed in everything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, is mentioning in these two verses, the six pillars or the pillars of faith. To believe in all prophets and messengers. That's why we keep mentioning to our uh, 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 Christian brothers and sisters and to our Jewish brothers and sisters that we love Jesus Christ so much and we love Moses so much and we appreciate both of them and all the prophets. And this is manifested in these two. Allah tells us in these verses. You have to believe in all the prophets, the previous prophets. Do not... Believe in one and not believe in the other. Or do not believe in one more than the other. We have the right to love our Prophet more than anyone. But when it comes to belief, we believe in all of them the same. No one is better than the other when it comes to belief. Now, you have to understand, this is very interesting. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, mentioned in, 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 in the chapter of Baqarah that basically... Uh, Allah will punish us based on our bad intentions. Certain nations before us used to have this as a ruling, as in their religion. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used to judge them based on their own intentions. Some might say, oh my God, how could people survive like this? Well, they have their conditions, they had their conditions, and as we know, Allah is the ultimate fair, so they probably, their conditions were suiting them enough to be able to handle this ruling, right? Well, obviously, because the you know the children of Israel, many of them, the second largest nation to enter paradise, you know. So that means they were able to survive this ruling. But now, when Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says this ruling applies on the Muslims as well, the Muslims or the believers panicked, panicked. So let me give you an example. Let's say that you're thinking about something bad. Just thinking it. Right? Like, I want to, uh, I don't know, uh, I, I want to drink alcohol. Or, uh, you know, uh, I want to gamble. Or, oh, I wish how would it feel if I, you know, uh, engage in, like, premarital sex. Or, you know, all these things. It could be thoughts. But because you don't act upon them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not punish you for them. It's just thoughts. And if you're a good believer, you will fight these thoughts and you're going to, you know, be straight on the right path. But when the companions heard that, even if you think about these thoughts, is sinful. Like, literally, it's written to you as a sin. They all went to the Prophet This was, of course, in early, early Islam, right? And they explained to the Prophet how concerned they were. Like they, they went to the Prophet and they said, Ya Rasulullah, you commanded us to, you know, worship Allah and worship no one else. We did it. 
you commanded us to uh, 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 you know uh, pay charity to fast Ramadan to do all these things to pray we did it you know do good deeds we did it but something that's revealed in, in, in these verses that we cannot handle you can we cannot handle it how would Allah like we cannot handle the fact that Allah would you know, consider us sinners and we have to repent from our own thoughts. Now, of course, you could repent from sins. It's not like if you think in something bad, that's it, it's written and it will never be erased. No, if you repent from that thought, again, we're talking about when this verse were revealed. Now the rules are different and we'll tell you how it was changed. So they could repent from it, but they said, this is too much. Once in a while we get bad thoughts, but because we're alhamdulillah true believers, we fight the bad thoughts and we resist them and we do the right thing for the most part of course so how are we going to be judged based on our thoughts this is too much and to that the prophet responded and he said well are you going to do like previous nations and say oh allah we hear and we disobey you have to say oh allah we hear and we obey you are you fighting are you arguing with allah so the prophet is telling them allah made a command. He made a ruling now. Who are you to... You, you do your best to, 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 to abide by the rule. That's it. But look now. Look at what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala... Allah, he gives me goosebumps. Allah, of course, hears everything. Sees everything. So as a mercy of Allah, as a mercy, mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says what? Look, this is the second now. We said it's two verses, right? I already explained to you the first verse. Now I'm explaining to you the second verse, which is in the last two verses of, in the chapter of Baqarah. Allah is saying, okay, I heard you. I will not give you, and I mentioned this before, by the way, in, in this, in this uh, podcast before, in, in a previous episode, Allah does not give you more than you can handle. This rule has been abrogated. That's it. No more. Allah won't judge you based on your thoughts anymore. Subhanallah. Out of mercy and Allah understands. Now, again, I'll address the same thing that I always address. Some people might ask, why go through this when Allah knows that they were going to do this anyway? Right? Allah knows the future. Allah knows that they're going to come and ask and Allah knows that eventually because Allah wants to, to show you His mercy. Allah is showing you He could have made it a rule and what are we going to do about it? Nothing. But because of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah canceled that rule and that rule does not apply on us anymore. That's it. Whatever you've done, you will be judged based on your actions, not your thoughts anymore. Subhanallah. The mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Again, for those of you who say, oh, da, that, 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 that makes more sense. Well, if Allah kept that rule, what were you going to do, uh, do about it? Think about it. If Allah kept that rule, what were you going to do about it? Defy? Great, you're still going to be sinful and you will be punished. There's nothing you could do to stop that. But Allah is showing you His ultimate mercy. He could have done it this way, but because of Allah's mercy, He chose 
to give us uh, this this space of like, okay, you can have bad thoughts as long as you don't act upon it. You it won't even be written in your book. You're not you're being held accountable uh, based on your bad thoughts, only actions. See, that's that's the beauty of understanding the Quran, right? Isn't that like for the for those of you who didn't know, and this is including myself. Before I, I you know, I studied the, the meaning of that verse and the you know the circumstances surrounding the two verses. It's insignificant to you, like okay, it's a beautiful recitation, whatever. But when you study, and that's the importance of knowledge, my dear brothers and sisters. Once you studied these verses, now you know the meaning, and you know the mercy of Allah and the beauty of the Quran that tells you these stories. So. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, basically the Prophet also is telling us if we recite these verses every night, uh, something uh, uh, good will happen to us. Allah will protect us from shaitan and will be greatly rewarded. Now I explain to you the meaning of these verses. If you guys you know want to memorize it, again, it's only two verses. And uh, so the Prophet, the second thing he was given these two verses, we said the first thing was the five daily prayers. The second thing was the these two blessed verses. The third thing that he was giving from that sidra was the permission for him to make dua for all the Muslims to eventually or ultimately enter paradise or Jannah. The idea that Muslims ultimately or eventually will go to Jannah, this comes from this night. Remember the Prophet ﷺ says every single prophet had a dua, had a supplication and they all made their duas in this world. Except for me, on the day of judgment, I'm gonna make dua to Allah to forgive all the Muslims after the for the bad Muslims who spend certain times in in hellfire. Allah would forgive him eventually and put him in paradise just for being true Muslims. That permission to make that dua was given to the Prophet ﷺ on that night. You know, three things, three blessed things. Now. After seeing the Sidra, after the Prophet, uh, uh, you know, he saw the Sidra, our Prophet ﷺ had to attend to the divine appointment with Allah uh, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And uh, I will stop at this, but inshallah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, we'll talk about uh, in, in, the next, in the next episode, uh, the Prophet ﷺ meeting Allah, never seeing Allah. Nobody saw Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this life. No one will see Allah in this life, but those who are blessed will see him in the afterlife, inshallah. And we will talk about the five daily prayers, how they were... Because right before this point, by the way, right before this point, the five daily prayers were not mandatory upon Muslims. There was no five daily prayers upon the Muslims. Muslims, it was optional for them to pray whenever they want, you know, and that was it. Five daily prayers were not mandatory or, or obligatory upon Muslims right before this point. They will be right after this meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Thank you so much for listening. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.